Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to the program. You know, every student in Memphis Shelby County school system has the potential to impact our community in a positive or a negative way. Well, our current graduation rate is in the low 80 percent. But what would happen to our city if we moved it up to 90 percent? According to a recent study by the graduation effect, we would have 1,440 additional graduates and 52% of that group would have enrolled in higher education. And that would have a remarkable economic and social impact in our area. Well, my guest today is Karen Vogelsang. She is the executive director of Arise to Read. And if you learn to read by the time you're they say in the third grade, you have substantially increased your graduation rating, the possibility of graduating. Well, guess what? The success requires the collective effort of educators, parents, business executives, churches, policymakers, and community members. It takes people like you and me getting involved to make an impact. Today, we're going to find out how one business leader got involved and is making a difference. Turning the page, I recently read an article by Prudential Insurance. They conducted a survey in 2018 pertaining to retirement retirement preparedness. They surveyed a little over 1,500 adults and found that 51% of those retirees surveyed expect to have to generate retirement income by working full or part-time. Well, coming up in the second half of today's program, Jason Harrington is here to talk about financial regrets. Remember that 51%? But Jason is going to share ways to avoid making those mistakes or those regrets. From our Did You Know files, this week is the eighth anniversary of the Standard & Poor's downgrade of the United States credit rating from AAA to AA+. Together with some other things that were going on at the time, there was enough to send the S&P 500 down 6.6% of the next trading day. That was Monday, August the 8th. It closed that day at 1119, and the world did not, listen, did not collapse, even though the media wanted you to think it would. From the end of the world event of collapsing you know, that particular time to today, even with that recent volatility that we've had, the S&P 500 has gained 189%, equal to about 14% per year. The index is up almost two and a half times. Uh, but as always, don't forget, I have to say this, don't forget past performance is not an indication of future performance. I guess most of you have noticed that we're in the beginning stages of an election year in 2020. Some would say that the economy plays a significant part of who is elected on the second term. Well, the Commerce Department has some interesting information to that effect. This is what they said. There have only been two U.S. presidents in the past 75 years who were elected to a first term in office who failed to win their re-election their re-election bid for the second term. That's Jimmy Carter in November 1980 and George H.W. Bush in November 1992. 
What about the economy? During President Carter's last year in office, the GDP fell three-tenths of a percent, but the GDP grew 3.5% in 1992 for President George H.W. Bush. So I guess we can't say the economy is the final factor to who is elected. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial and be sure to like us on Facebook. Coming up, Karen Vogelsang, Executive Director of Arise to Read. She has a special guest with her, John Roundtree, and also Jason Harrington, Financial Regrets People Have Made and How to Avoid Them. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KW WAM 990, FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Karen Vogelsang, Arise to Read, John Roundtree, or Safe Flight Auto Glass. The views and opinions expressed are those of Karen Vogelsang and John Roundtree only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I have a special guest with me, and she's always does a great job. She's passionate about what she talks about. She's a frequent guest. Karen Vogelsing, she is the executive director of Rise to Read. Welcome, Miss Karen. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Jim. So glad to be back. I like calling you Miss Karen because I know you're a former <laughs> teacher. I guess that's what I would have called you at that particular time when I was a student, right? Uh, you probably would have called me Mrs. V like all my students Mrs. called v. me. Mrs. I like v. That. Mrs. Yep. V. Even my colleagues called me Mrs. V. <laughs> all right. That's got to remember that. All right. You have a special guest with you, too. I do. Tell tell our audience who the guy is and why he's here. Well, this is John Roundtree, and John Roundtree is a district manager for Safe Flight. And I had the privilege of meeting John last fall, November or December, I think, right? I think that's right. And uh, I had the uh, privilege of speaking to the Millington Rotary Group and met John and shared the story of Arise to Read and shared the work that we were doing. And um, he, it, it just really touched his heart. And he sent me an email, I think, the next day and said, hey, Karen, can you fill out this uh, grant application with the Safe Flight Education Foundation? And uh, I, I've wanted to win this grant for our region for years. And I think Arise to Read is the way we can do that. And so quickly got that application filled out, got that sent to John. And uh, we found out not too long ago that we won that grant. And uh, John is a huge cheerleader for Arise to Read and just excited to be partnering with him. John, I know you're you're the manager, director, district manager for Safe Light Autoglass, but you're involved in the community in a lot of different places, a lot of different things. Why Arise to Read? What caught your attention with that? Well, the passion that Karen has for what she does makes a makes the world a difference to me. Uh, the Safe Light Charitable Foundation wants to give back to the community and help those in need. But more importantly, we got to think about the business side of this, the economic development side. And that starts with people. Uh, needing an educated workforce is something that Memphis has, has struggled with, North Shelby, all over Shelby County. Uh, and it really starts early on in the process. Mm-hmm. And when I heard Karen uh, tell that story about how she starts in the second grade and reading, it really touched my heart. And it means the world to me to know that we may make a difference, not only in that child's life, but in future generations as well. So when you talk about a workforce, you're talking about the employees graduating from high school. As I said at the monologue, the thought well, if we could just increase that a little bit, it makes a huge, not only a social, but also the economic benefit. You're involved in hiring employees all the time. 
Do you see that being kind of a, if we said, could we focus on one thing? Is that something that would have that social economic impact that we're talking about? Absolutely, Jim. An educated workforce, even though there's record low unemployment right now, so you have plenty of options or people that are applying, but it doesn't always mean they're the right fit for the job. Mm. Uh, having that that basis, that foundation, and early childhood education mm-hmm. that they can carry on, not necessarily into a four-year degree. I wish everyone had one, uh, but it's not necessary. It's not something everyone needs, but they definitely need to know how to read and how to be uh, uh, accurate thinkers in, involved in decision-making. So important, and Rise to Read, Karen, is doing just that. Absolutely. So winning a grant, a $25,000 grant, yep. and I, again, we want to say a big applause and thank you to John, because that is such an impact. How is that going to have an impact today with Rise to Read? Well, we have had approximately 8 to 10 schools reach out to us since we had we finished the year in May. Um, that requires funding and it requires volunteers. And so John is very active in the Millington community. And we had the Millington School District reach out to Arise to Read, wanting us to start partnering with them and working in their elementary schools. So our plan right now, um, what Safe Flight and John want to do is to be able to invest this money into the Millington community to help us get the program started in Millington. So we're very, very excited. We met with the chamber yesterday um, about partnering with the Millington School District and helping to support the students that live in the Millington area. That is, to me, an impact, and I appreciate what John said it, the passion that you have mm. and, the, and Donna uh, gains. I mean, let me, let me, let's step back for our listeners who may not have heard of Arise to Read. Mm, yeah. It's, it's, it says, and John was very clearly articulated, that it has an impact in our community. But just describe to the audience that hasn't heard what Arise to Read Give us that overview of sure, Rise to Read. Sure, So Donna Gaines is our founder. She founded Arise to Read a little over seven years ago now. She was away um, with her husband, Steve, pastoring other churches in Texas and Alabama, came back to Memphis, saw the rate of childhood poverty, um, and she wanted to do something. So she reached out to what was then Memphis City Schools and came up with this protocol. And this protocol is called Team Read. And all of this protocol is is a series of steps. So when we have uh, a, a church group, a business group, an individual, they don't have to do any thinking about what they're going to do when they get in that classroom and work with a child. We've got it all laid out for them. We provide all the supplies. And what they're going to do is they're going to work with two children because the commitment is an hour a week from about middle of September to early April. They're going to work with two students, one each for 30 minutes, on what's called a sight word approach. And people always ask me, well, why sight words? Well, sight words, this, we worked with a research-based Fry sight word list. It's 1,000 words. And when children can recognize these words with automaticity and mastery, that means that they can apply these words in reading and writing. It's going to free their brain power up to focus on those words that occur less frequently in text. It's a very fun, engaging approach for the kids because it's just moving like that in that 30-minute time frame. And the kids get so excited when those volunteers come in. And that's where that social emotional piece comes in. Because for a lot of the children that we're serving, they're coming from, um, they're living in poverty. Poverty 
you know, presents challenges for children and families. Um, sometimes the family members are very stressed out or they're working multiple jobs to make ends meet. And the children sometimes don't feel valued. They don't feel worthy. And what happens is you have the same person coming back week after week, investing in this child. And that little person starts to think, oh, I'm smart. I can do this. That volunteer is believing in them. And what happens is that translates back into the classroom. The children spend more time on task and they're reading skills improve as a result and their social emotional um, skills improve as well so it's it's just a huge impact for a simple investment of an hour a week you just tuned in if you can't tell mrs v (laughs) mrs v is the education guru for arise through she's the executive director i like calling you mrs v that sounds good i I like it too i kind of miss it that's good and she is the executive director for arise to read having an impact john you mentioned the need to have an impact from an employer standpoint and again she actually starts it in the second grade she mentioned it that self-esteem that who i'm important do you see that as being critical for the employee today they're coming in they're trying to get a job can you tell when they when they're equipped and when they're not just in the initial interview you know jim that's an excellent question and and not only am i proud that the safe light charitable foundation was able to bridge a financial gap and i think that's important but not only for the young men and women in the second grade but our associates are given an opportunity to volunteer their time and get paid for charity hours. So you can't imagine. My, my hope and desire is that all of my associates take the opportunity to go and read to these kids, uh, select a location, select a time. Uh, and you really see that, that, that team building, that, uh, that personal uh, responsibility coming up from all of my associates, all of my technicians and, and CAs. Uh, around the three-state area that I work in, uh, it makes a difference not only to the community and the family that that's getting the opportunity to be read to and getting the opportunity to receive these books, but also my own team. So in a selfish way, as a business leader, mm-hmm. uh, this is a win-win for me all the way around. Yeah, that's extremely good. If you just tuned in, of course, that's John Roundtree. He is the district manager of SafeLight Autoglass, and Arise to Read has won a regional grant from SafeLight for $25,000. And you're going to use that in Millington, Tennessee. They have been asking Arise to Read to come into the elementary system and start teaching there, and that's yep. where that money's going. So listen to me, folks. This is important. If you are still and listening or you're driving and listening, this is where you you make a mental note. How do I get involved? Well, maybe, maybe you can't go into the classroom and do that. Maybe you can. But here's where, just think what John did. He heard what was being said by a passionate school educator, a school teacher who now is involved in rice reading, teaching elementary children how to read. And he said, I can do something. I can be a part. And as I told you in the money log, if we're going to have an effect in our city, Mm -hmm. socially and economically, it takes people, business executives, churches, policymakers, community members, educators, parents, all of us. All of us. We can all sit back here and point our fingers and say this Mm -hmm. and say that. Reality is we're an army and the army needs to get up and get going and get moving. And John, I appreciate I appreciate your thought. I appreciate you offering the opportunity to your employees that they can participate. And Karen, this is what you need. This Absolutely. is what people need. You've got 
I know you're taking on 1,500 students and you need 1,500 <laughs> new, new educators, yeah. new yeah. teachers. New teachers, new volunteers to get into the community. And, you know, the simple thing is it's an hour a week. And what happens is for the volunteers, they get so attached to the two students that they're serving. They get into the schools. They find out how hard teachers and administrators are working to make a difference. But you just touched on exactly what's going on. They cannot do this job by themselves. I've only been out of the classroom 18 months. And I can promise all of you that are listening to this, they cannot do this job by themselves. It's going to take all of us in the community, from the mayors to the mailman and the plumber to the paralegal, to lock arms with us and get inside the schools and help our kiddos learn to be really strong readers. Because if we can get them reading on grade level by the end of third grade, they've got an 89% graduation rate. And you touched on that earlier in the show. That 89% graduation rate impacts not just that child. Um, but that child's family down the road, and it impacts all of us in Memphis and Shelby County all over no because question. it brings money. We have an educated workforce to provide John, right, and other businesses that are out there. It reduces crime. Seventy-five percent of crimes committed in the United States are committed by high school dropouts. So the impact to us as a community is huge. But again, you both touched on it. It has to start early. We can't wait until high school. The kids that... Um, that we need to serve, they've already dropped out by then. So we have to do it early, and this is a simple way to get involved. Well, I think it's important that we need to understand that there's so much need here. If you've got a question for Karen, let me give you her telephone number, 901-347-5545. That's 347-5545, or just go online to arise to the number 2 Read. Dot O-R-G. Arise, the number two, read, dot O-R-G. Get involved. This is so important. What's going on in the next couple of weeks, ladies? You got a lot. Yeah, we got a lot going on. Uh, August 22nd is our big annual kickoff training event. That's going to be held at Bellevue Baptist Church from 830 to 1230. Uh, we are going to be serving volunteers breakfast. We're going to have a great keynote speaker, Dr. Bernard Gant, coming from Colorado. He's going to talk to us about adverse childhood experiences. Um, Donna and I, of course, will speak. We'll do some training. Then we're going to have a big school fair with 42 tables and 42 schools where the volunteers can look at the schedules and select what school they want to serve in. And then two days later, we're going to be at Alton Elementary School in Southwest Memphis. We're going to be hosting a reading camp. We're bringing in a partnership with Porter Leith and the YMCA. We're going to be providing uh, resources for the parents so they know what things they can do at home to help support literacy. We've got reading activities for each of the grade levels. Of course, we're going to be grilling hot dogs. Why on the Fly is going to have their two trucks there, book trucks, food trucks. we got the smoothie bicycle going on, a bounce house. So it's going to be just an awesome event to bring the community in and let them know that there are people like Arise to Read, organizations like the Y and Porter Leith that want to support the community and really support literacy and just you know, love on the community and, and really make Army. a difference. That's yeah. The Army. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the Army we, coming in. And I need I need those of you that are listeners that are faithful listeners, if you have not got involved, this is a ministry that has got the integrity. Uh it's got business leaders, it's got teachers, it's got pastors, it's got the political it's 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 got the homogenation of the city mm-hmm. totally involved. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
And the reality is it's 347-5545, a simple phone call. Hey, and just say, I want to speak to Mrs. V. (laughs) (laughs) And Mrs. V will be glad to talk to you. (laughs) just say, I want to help. I want to be a part. That's what's important. One thing I want to do before you close, and and I want to, you said, and we've had you on the program multiple times, and I'm always touched by the fact that the child learns to read and goes home. Yeah. And begins to teach his parents yep. or her parents or his siblings or yeah. her siblings. Talk about that. Well, we met a little girl back in May. And when we talked to this little girl, she was sharing with us how she takes her five words home. And she teaches her siblings and her cousins. But not only that, this little girl is an English language learner and her family is also learning the English language. Um, and our children are going home. And in many cases, they're teaching their parents how to read these words as well. Because these words are the most common words that are found in text, it it just it makes sense to know how to read and use these words. So the impact is going into the families. And then what's happening, especially like at Treadwell Elementary, since we've got seven years worth of data there, what we're seeing is the pretest scores in the last three years are greater than the pretest scores in the first three years. And what that tells me is that this information is going home. The whole idea of having um, children and families that are investing in literacy, because we're not serving the same children year after year. And so what's happening is this stuff is going home. The books are going home, the learning experiences, the relationships with the coaches, all of that is going home and it's impacting what's happening in the home, which then when those younger siblings and cousins get to second grade and we start serving them, they are more prepared and we help advance them even further. At Treadwell, they had nearly uh, an average of 300 words, which is three grade levels of growth. Wow, that's, that's tremendous, and that's the impact. And again, let me tell you the telephone number. It's 347-5545. It's Karen Vogel saying she is the executive director of Arise to Read. And uh, I guess from a standpoint of what you're saying, it's beginning to have the bigger effect, mm. and that's what you're saying, and that's what you're being. Yeah. Johns, thank you so much for joining us today. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being a part of just making a contribution. Absolutely. And doing what you've done and participate and providing the time for your employees to do that. Mm-hmm. That's a great leader and from the business community. Absolutely, Jim. Thank you very much for having me, and we're, we're glad to do it. And if you've been just tuned in, of course, it's Karen Vogelsing. She has been, of course, the she is the executive of Rise to Read. She's been a frequent guest of ours. We'll have her back on. If you want to get involved, 347-5545, 347-5545. Don't hesitate. It's time. They need volunteers, 1,400 of them. Start with you making the phone call. Coming up, Jason Harrington. He's going to talk about financial regrets. And you know what? That 51% of those retirees that don't have enough money, they got to go back to work, you need to be t- saying with us that it's going to be important to learn how to avoid that. That's Jason Harrington. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Karen. And thank you, John. Thank you. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker and Jason Harrington are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. 
Well, if you remember at the beginning of the show in the monologue, I talked about 51% of retirees that have retired or, you know, at that point of retiring and have indicated by Prudential Insurance, by a survey that Prudential did, that they are going to have to continue to work and they regret having to do that. Now, some do it by choice. We understand that. But a lot of people literally end up, you know, saying, hey, I didn't want to, but I regret that I didn't do this or didn't do that. And set back, some people have, you know, they harbor a few regrets as we get older. We all do. I mean, I, you know, I've got one, I think, maybe. But a few people, that's three quarters of Americans, actually say they have one big financial regret. Now, that's from bankrate.com. That's not my statistic. The reality is all of us look back at kind of our financial history as we're going through our life and we make some mistakes or we regret not doing something. Well, my guest today is Jason Harrington. He is going to talk about biggest financial regrets that people have made. And he's going to give us at the last part of the program ways to avoid them. You're going to be surprised a little bit, I think, because it's amazing. These regrets, of course, the, the biggest one is obviously retirement. But we're going to talk about what or some ways to do that. And really, some of the numbers that he's going to share with us are going to blow you away. So, Jason, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I always love being here. Well, let me talk about this because I think, you know, one in three Americans don't have a lot of money for retirement. Talk right. about that. Tell, tell us some of these regrets. And I know retirement's one of the biggest. Retirement is probably the biggest. If you look at the statistics out there and surveys that are that are going out, retirement t- tends to be the biggest. And I think that uh, given your earlier stat, 51% of Americans say that they're going to have to work or find some other resource. I mean, those are your retirees today. What's astonishing is when you look at the fact that retirement being one of the biggest regrets, listen to this number, that uh, an article came out earlier this year, uh, Financial Engines did a, did a study and found that Americans are leaving $24 billion, that's with a B, $24 billion of unclaimed 401k matches. Now, the matching portion of your 401k is the, the free money that your employer will give to you for just participating into in your 401k plan at work. And so many Americans are electing to either not participate in their 401k up to the maximum amount that a company will match, or they're not participating at all. So leaving all of that free money on the table. Uh, and today, $24 billion are going unclaimed in free money. Well, you know, you talk about that survey and you handed me that survey for the program and I, I was just reading through it. And I, it, it says that literally, the average employee, the typical average employee is leaving approximately 1300 and some odd dollars, just a few dollars, right. $1,300 per, that's, that's a, that's a per year, the free cash each year. And if you look at that over a 20 year period, they're saying that financial engine article said that's about $43,000. That's the average person. That's the average person. And that's, uh, that's, let's, say, let's, let's, let's help the listeners understand this. That's the free money. Yeah. <laughs> free yeah. money. Free money. Can we spell free? Yeah, free money. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's critical. Now, why do we do that? Why do we do that, Jason? From your practice and when you're working with people, why should we even be talking about not people not claiming the match? You know, I think that it's, uh, it's a lot of things. Some of it's, uh, you know, education, you know, just not understanding that they have that resource available. You know, I think most people today that we talk to today can have a fundamental understanding that, oh, my company will have a plan. I should put money into it. They just do a knee jerk 
reaction to that, and they don't take the the full benefit of the employer match. Uh, the other reason would be that other things are 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 claiming their dollars. People are spending money on you know lifestyle. They're spending money on uh, their children. They're spending too much money on their house, and so they're having to to try to make ends meet. And so that that's an easy place for someone to to cut out of their their long-term plan. I think that's what happens to a lot of people. So if we talk about regrets, regrets of not being disciplined, that would be the way you do that, and you think through that. I liked what the the article you were reading and talking about earlier is this whole thought process around the different in the generations. The average overall is around $50,000 that people have. But you look at the older generation. The, the the baby boomers they're looking at about 150,000. Well, they of course they have a longer period of time. But the millennials they only have savings about twenty three thousand dollars. Now I would understand that it's just that the millennials by and large aren't participating. They're not. It, it's in their mind. It's that's something that uh, you know older folks do and older folks think about. I'll I'll deal with that. You know once I get into my home or once I've been working for a little while. Uh, it is surprising. Uh, we have a lot of new advisors that come into our office that, that start working for us. And so the, by and large, the majority of their clients are that young next generation of employer that's just been working for a couple of months uh, and they haven't enrolled in their uh, in their 401k plan yet. Just it's not on their radar. They haven't started thinking about it. But what is even more amazing is that I have met people who are in their 40s who haven't participated in their 401k. Or they're not getting the match, which is what you're talking about. The match, they're losing right. that literally an enormous amount of money when you think about that. When you when you put this to dollars and cents and you come up with this $24 billion of unclaimed 401k matches in the United States, leaving it on the table we need a bell that we just ring yeah. the bell or something. Get somebody's attention to think, if you get a match from your employer, take advantage of the match. And sometimes, I understand not everybody, because you may have some obligations and medical problems and stuff like that, but just to not at least explore it. So if you're listening, today would be a great day to start saving money on your 401k by getting a little bit into it for yourself and getting as much of the match as you can. Now, we kind of took the number one problem off the table. There was a recent article I was reading in the Financial Planner magazine written by a couple of professors, and they said that you give a list of 10 different goals to people, and it won't start out being retirement. They may say, right. oh, you know, some of these mistakes that we're going to talk about, regrets, is going to start out to being their goals. But as you work with them and help them kind of understand it, and I don't think they were guiding them. They were literally allowing the person to go through the process, kind of uh, allowing them to go through and maybe expose themselves. Retirement became the issue. Sure. Everybody thinks about it. It's just whether or not, as you said, do I want to do that now or wait till I'm 50 to start retirement? That's right. I think you're. I think a lot of times your number one problem is your number one regret is what you're dealing with in the moment. moment. Sometimes Absolutely. I mean, which which is what makes you know planning important is to try to think about your timeline and what's going to happen down the down the line. When we come back, I want to dive into the some of these other regrets that are kind of exposing ourselves as we look at things that say this is what the problem is. 
We'll take that and go by step by step and let each one of us look through that and say, how do we move through that? And I want you to guide us through that of what should a person do to avoid that regret. Sure. We'll do that. Well, if you just tuned in, my guest is Jason Harrington. We're talking about mistakes or regrets that people make when it comes to financial decisions, how to avoid them. We're going to uncover, we've talked about retirement being the number one, and just starting your match gets you a whole, just a big leap ahead. Just starting using whatever the employer's putting in there, you take advantage of it, get that started. That's a lot of money for you need to do. We'll be back in just a minute, so stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. In November 1901, city planner and landscape architect George Kessler was hired to draft plans for a system of scenic streets to connect Overton Park with downtown Memphis. Kessler had already planned hundreds of projects internationally and across the country and was the perfect man to lead the beautification project for the city. Realizing that the current parks were public property and maintained by the taxpayers, Kessler designed with convenience in mind, envisioning a greater volume of road traffic, though there were less than 20 cars in Memphis at the time. His foresight proved to be correct, for only nine years later, there were over 1,000 cars on Memphis roads. This system of streets changed the way we think about parks. While the word park normally conjures images of ducks and picnics, the system of north, east, and south parkways remains a verdant trail that is still maintained by the park services and has been added to the National Register of Historic Places. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we're talking about financial regrets that people have made or things that the mistakes that they've made and how to avoid them. Jason Harrington's my guest. We're going to walk through that. He is a professional at this. He works with clients and deals with this all the time. And, and Jason, you talked about we kind of took it off the table simply because it's the biggie. And right. that is people say they're going to do retirement. They thinking about retirement, but they don't do anything about it. And your first and foremost thing was $24 billion left on the table from just not taking your employer match. So guess what? That's your number one. If you got that problem, this is how you solve it. I appreciate you bringing that to our attention. Right, right. All right. Go with me now and let's say, what are some of the other mistakes that you see that people are making and give us some ways of thinking through that. I know you're going to say ultimately that strategically you need to do some planning, have a strategy, make some things happen, understand what you're trying to accomplish long term. I appreciate that. And everybody knows we're going to talk about that. But talk about these mistakes. And we won't have to give in any necessary order, just the ones that you see in your practice. I think one that it's probably one that a lot of people listening can relate to, and that is feeling like you may have purchased too much house, you know, more house than you can probably afford. And I think that one of the problems that, that comes with that is when you start to do the math or banks will help you walk through the math on, you know, the cost of a home, they really specifically are talking about your 
house note, you know, the cost of paying the, the loan back, paying the property tax, the current property tax, and maybe paying for your home, your homeowner's insurance and packaging that into a cost that, that makes sense for you. But what they don't really take into account is that with the bigger house comes bigger utility bills, more maintenance. maintenance. Uh, I'm you going know. through the maintenance with a capital M this year. I mean, you know, it seemed like every time I turn, we've been in the house about 15, 16 years. And I'll That's be honest when it happens. You, it's just about, you know, you start with the roof, you start with the painting. I mean, it just goes on and on. It's every year, a pipe bust, a, you know, something happens. I mean, that's the homes aren't, you know, permanent fixtures. They're going to break. Uh, we don't think about that. We don't think about the, the cost that you would put into that. You know, a lot of people don't consider the fact that the furniture that was in your other home is not the furniture that you want in your new home. Uh, or you have a couple of empty rooms. Or you have empty rooms. <laughs> and you got to go yeah, buy Absolutely. Some. Absolutely. You have more space. You need to fill it up. And so the expense kind of starts to capitalize over time where you need to, you know, redo this, especially in this area. You see a, a lot of neighborhoods that have been around and established for Many, many, many years. Our office is in in Germantown, and so you don't see uh, you do see some new development, but by and large, most of the time when you buy a house, it's it's been around for you know a, a minute or two. And yeah. so when you walk in, you're going to have to consider updating the walls and, and so fixtures. buying a house is a big too much house could be a financial regret that comes back and haunts you. You know, you've talked about that because you kind of led into it. It also creates the possibility you got to buy furniture so you have some credit card debt. Credit cards. And that can really be a problem. Credit cards can be a burden. You know, 60% of Americans do not have the income to pay their credit cards off at the end of each month. So you have 60% of the people out there. That was a Forbes study that was done earlier in this uh, in this year. And that means you're paying interest on those things. You're paying, those are interest dollars or dollars that are not going to your 401k so that you can get the match. They're, they're dollars not going toward, you know, uh, saving or college education. So a lot of times people will tend to spend money on credit under the pretense that I'm going to pay this pay off. I'm going to use this money coming in down the road, the down bonus, the road. The, 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 you know, the tax credit that I'm going to get money back next year. That's right. I'll pay that. So that, so that's a regret. And that takes a lot of discipline that, you know, because sometimes we get caught up in what we think we need. So the word discipline surfaces again, discipline of saving for retirement, discipline of not buying. So discipline becomes a pretty impactful statement. And some discipline seems or can seem to be kind of an elusive characteristic in the United States. I mean, last year, according to USA Today, uh, hundred and fifty. The credit card debt increased by hundred and fifty billion dollars wow. last year, and so when you think about all of these regrets, they all kind of work together. We borrow too much money, we spend money we don't have, we don't save money in our four hundred one k, and therefore we get into this cycle of student being loan unprepared. debt. That's another issue. Student people. loan debt is a grown. I this one is kind of near and dear to my heart. I've got. Uh, Two girls, twin girls, that are going to be headed out to to college on Tuesday of next week. So, whereas it's a stressful time, we're learning a lot about just the college experience and you know borrowing money to go to school. That's a that's an ever growing uh, an ever growing problem. Um, 
what's what's interesting about student loans is since 1987, um, the cost of tuition has just tuition, not counting room and board, has tripled. Uh, last couple of years, the growth rate has settled, settled in a little bit, but there were years when it was 10, 11, 12% growth rates uh, on college uh, tuition. Uh, more and more students are borrowing, are borrowing money and borrowing money. Um, you know, statistically, it still does show that most people believe if I get a college education, that's going to pay for itself. But what's interesting, in a time frame between 1987 and like 2018, the college cost tripled. Uh, it was the income coming out of college right. did not. It triple. did not triple, and so uh, yeah, so you got to be careful. Got to be careful. Well, we'll come back because there's some other grits, maybe the regret of not saving for a children's education. So they had to go out and borrow the money. Well, we'll talk about that when we come back. If you just tune in, my guest is Jason Harrington. We're talking about financial regrets that people make. He's nailed down a couple right already for us. The the idea behind retirement. We talked about the whole idea behind buying too much house. That's a key. Taking out student loan debt, credit card debt. Those are things that we just get into. When we come back, he's got a couple of biggies. He's going to tell us how to avoid them. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Investments will fluctuate and were redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we're talking with Jason Harrington. We're talking about financial mistakes or basically regrets. I mean, we really, the whole idea is when you get caught up in this idea, all of us, all of us have a few regrets as we get older that we really have to admit to. I mean, it's whether it's, uh, you know, I didn't save enough for college education. Oh, you know what? I should have not bought this big house or something. Those are things that are real. Three quarters of Americans have at least one big financial regret, and that's according to bankrate.com. So we didn't dream this up. We all end up in doing things, and Jason's walking through some of the biggies, some of those that we all have to admit to, whether it, as he said, we took the biggie off the table, the number one regret is not saving enough for retirement or not being able to retire. I gave you that statistic from Prudential earlier. 51% of retirees are going to have to work part-time or full-time because they didn't save enough money. And some of the statistics, $24 billion of employee match or employer match for the employee is not it's left on the table every year. This is not a good thing. We're, this is a huge, huge problem. So, Jason, you've talked about buying too much house. You've talked about too much credit card debt. You've talked about student loan debt. What are some of the other things besides retirement? We've kind of nailed that one down. What are some of the other financial regrets that just kind of seem to burden Americans? We get caught up into it. We almost are ashamed. A lot of people are. They just don't want to talk about it. What do you see? What are some of the other regrets? I think one of the things that tends to crop up a lot is that people just haven't saved enough money for emergencies. You know, we... we uh, We've been around, if anyone listening or, and I know that, that you and I have been around long enough to know that life doesn't happen in a straight line. Uh, it's going to have bumps and, and tangents and things are going to happen. 
uh, and people get lost in their daily activities and forget to set aside money for these bumps in the roads are coming. It's something that we call in our world an emergency reserve. Uh, and people just don't save money for these life emergencies. You mentioned a couple with the house, roofs and... Yeah, well, air conditioner. The other yeah. day, you know, we're working and we have guests coming over at night. And, you know, my wife, I get up early in the morning and all of a sudden I notice, I said, you know, it's a little warm. Yeah. You know, and I'm going, uh, you know, that's not good. And uh, so we go out and, of course, we got this air conditioner that's going crazy. It's making all kind of noises. And I call and they come out. And fortunately, this time it was a $200 bill instead of a compressor. Oh, you celebrate yeah. that. I did. Yes, you celebrate. <laughs> Whoa, we danced around the house yes. for 15 minutes. You know? $200 but air the reality, you know, reality is that's the emergency you're talking that's about. That's right. Those are those are what I refer to as, you know, financial bumps in the road. There are other things in your financial plan that can be, you know, financially devastating. You know, you loss of income, loss of a loved one, an, an income earner, a disability. Those things are financially devastating. Medical expense. A medical we see expense. a lot of issues with people coming to the office with an enormous amount of medical expense. And they thought that it was covered, and it wasn't. And, they and it didn't wasn't, have, right? They've got to work through a plan to pay that off. That's right. And the, so these emergencies are just, you know, more bumps in the road. You can navigate them, and you can figure them out. But a lot of times, if you're not prepared, then and the way you have to figure them out is you cycle back to a credit card or you cycle back to pulling money out of your 401k, which a remarkable amount of people do that, um, or uh, borrowing against your home. And then this smart purchase of building of these, equity yeah. and it, it's gone. And so uh, it's a simple process. And a lot of times uh, we hear this in our office all the time, especially when it comes to saving for emergencies. Um, you either do something or you do nothing to prepare for an in inevitable uh, emergency. And Something is relative to your situation, and you need to figure that out. And, and I know people say, uh, Dave Ramsey says, you know, three times your earned income every month or six times your earned income every month. That's the minimum for an emergency fund. We recommend six times, and that's important. Closing. We've got to go here in a second, but you talked about buying too much house, not saving enough for college education, taking on too much credit card debt, literally too much student loan debt. You just talked about the emergency fund. Of course, we started the program and not saving enough for retirement. In the few minutes that we've got left, tell us how do we keep this from being a financial regret that we look back on and say, I have to own it. I think the first thing is you've got to, you've got to engage in a conversation with a good financial planner. I know that sounds cliche given that we are financial planners and that's what we do for a living. But part of our job is to help a client sort of pull them through the looking glass and not look at life as it's happening in the moment, but to, to predict and plan uh, for the future. Think about some of these events before they, before they arrive, because, you're either going to be prepared or or you're going to react. And if you react, that's when some of your financial regrets start to start to come. Start a plan. So start a start plan. Start a strategy. Absolutely. And get wise counsel. And get counsel and uh, you need to review your plan regularly cuz life changes. You need to, you know, be looking at what uh, is going on in your current situation and what's going on in the economy and review your plan regularly. 
Thank you, Jason. Appreciate you being here today, yeah, man. No problem. Great information. You've been listening to KWAM 990 and FM 107.9, The Voice. My guests, Karen Vogelsang, Arise to Read, and Jason Harrington. If you would like to talk with Karen personally, all you have to do is give her a call at 347 5545. If you'd like to talk to Jason Harrington, you can give him a call at 901 757 5757. We hope you've enjoyed today's program. As always, thanks for listening. If you have questions for Talk Money, send in the Talk Money at Shoemaker. Financial.com. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fordner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Jason Harrington are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.